Beware old white man dancing up here. Sorry. I love that music coming on there. It's kind of like, you know, feels like a game show. I don't know why that is, but uh, it's what I think of every time it comes on. So, hey, uh, as Nick said, my name is Blake. If I haven't met you, just a privilege to, uh, to meet you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for being part of the Center Church. Uh, if we haven't met, one of the things you need to know about me is I'm actually a Jeep guy. Okay? So I've been a Jeep guy longer than I've actually been a pastor. And so... Uh, one of the things I love to do, especially in Michigan summers, I mean, who doesn't love a Michigan summer? We get three months of it, right? So Michigan summer is take the top off my Jeep. And so uh, I love to do that. I love to feel the wind just blowing through my hair. It's just an amazing feeling. But uh, no, I really love just feeling like I'm sort of outside, but not in. So uh, last year, I'm going to take you back a couple years to the summer of 2020. It was the summer of COVID. Anybody remember the summer of COVID? Yeah. And so I had a dentist appointment on the other end of town. I was at my office and I had to travel in there. So I jumped in the Jeep, headed over there. It was a particularly hot day. The sun was just cooking on this bald head of mine and I was frying there. I got to the dentist's office. And if you remember in the summer of COVID there, uh, when you got to a dentist's office or a doctor's office, any health professional office, you had to do two things. You remember this? You had to fill out a form that said, hey, I haven't had COVID in the last 24 hours. I haven't been by anybody that had COVID in the last 24 hours. I don't have a fever. You had to fill that out. And then one other thing. You remember what that was? It was this thing right here. The temperature check. You remember that? It's been two years. How quickly we forget about that, about getting zapped by that thing. And so I got to the dentist's office, and I'm in there. I filled out the form. She would let me in. And then she says to me, she goes, I just got to take your temperature real quick. She zaps it, and obviously I've been right in the hot sun. This bald head's been radiating heat for a while. I scored a little bit higher than I probably should. And so she said, hey, just take it easy. Why don't you just take a seat right here, and then I'm going to take your temperature again uh, in a little bit, and then we'll see if we can let you in. Oh, and by the way, I can only take your temperature three times, and if it comes back each time hot, we're going to have to reschedule. Okay, so I sit down. I'm sort of between the outside and sort of in the inside. I'm in kind of like this vestibule area, and I'm just kind of sitting there on this chair, and I'm just waiting for my heat to cool down. And sure enough, five minutes later, she comes back. She zaps me with it, and I'm still running warm, okay? And I say to her, you know, hey, I was just in the Jeep, sun, everything. I'm fine. I don't have COVID. Just go ahead and let me in. And she's like, no, I'm sorry. You're going to have to sit here. I can only do it one more time. And then we're going to have to reschedule. Well, now I'm starting to get hot, but not because of the sun, okay? I'm sitting there. So I sit back down. I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, I feel some cool air on my legs. And I'm thinking, huh. And I look. And there's this air conditioning vent right below my chair. And in that moment, I had the single greatest idea of my entire life. I spread my legs like this, and I stuck my head right down on that air conditioning vent, and I left it there for five minutes. Sure enough, I hear the door open back up. I pop my head up, you know, and she goes, oh, and she zaps me with it. And she goes, oh, looks like you're good now. Why don't you follow me? So I stand up, and this is where the story gets a little fuzzy, okay? Because <laughs> I don't know if you've been on the twirl whirl over at Cedar Point or something along that lines, but I stood up, and the world went around. And the next thing I know is when I awoke, I had a heart, my head hurt, and I looked up, and there was four people looking at me. One was the nice receptionist that wouldn't let me in. 
One was my doctor or my dentist, and the other two had on these little hats that said EMT. So apparently what happened in my exuberance to get into the doctor's office, I fainted, hit my head against the door, and I was kind of just laying there between the two, the inside and the outside. And so anyway, the bad part is I never even got to see the dentist that day. And so that was the worst part. But if, if I'm sitting there, if I'm in your seat right now, and you're, you're sitting here and you're going like... Man, that is a crazy story. I'd be asking myself two questions. One is, how in the world is this guy a leader in our church? He's an idiot. That was the that would be the first question I'd ask. And and to that I'd say like, I have no idea either. So somehow they got me in this role. But I've been there. Second question I would ask is, what in the world does this have to do with anything? And here's the second part. And I think this will help a little bit. You understand where we're going today? Isn't it true? There's times in our life where we want to be in control. And yet, we really don't have control of a situation. Isn't there times in your life and in my life where we want to assume control, but control isn't really ours to assume? I think there is. I think there is. We're in the middle of a series called Soul Work right now, and we're looking at spiritual disciplines. So we've looked at a lot of different ones. Uh, And today, we are looking at what it means to surrender. And then the freedom that comes from being able to surrender is the freedom that we don't have to control everything. And so if you have your Bibles, your tablets, or whatever, if you want to pull that out, we're going to take a look right now at Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. And so uh, this is a common verse. If you have not, uh, you know, even if you haven't attended church in a while, you've probably heard of this, this passage. Um, so this is a very familiar passage. It's really easy to read. It's really hard to live out. So let me pull it up here real quick. It says Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So as we take a look at that, uh, I, I read this. It says, trust in the Lord with what part of your heart? With all your heart. Yeah, yeah. you can say, say along. I, I, you know, a little help me out here a little bit. With all your heart. Not just a quarter of your heart. Not just a half of your heart. Not just three quarters of your heart. With all your heart. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me sometimes to trust God with all of my heart. Because the second part is, is part here is, this is the really hard part for me to, uh, to live out. And that is to lean not on your own understanding. How many are you like me that just want to control who think I know better than God? Anybody else out there who feels like, you know, there's a situation that comes in, into your life and you're going like, I got this one covered. I got this one covered. I'm, I'm going to lean on my understanding here. I'm good with this. But God calls us not only to trust him with all of our heart and lean not on our understanding and in all of our ways acknowledge him, but he's going to give us a promise at the end. What he's going to do, he's going to make our path straight. And I'll tell you what, when I lean on my own understanding and when I trust in myself, when it's just my heart and stuff, I don't know about you, I look back in my life, my paths are a lot curvier than that. But if I lean on him, my paths are straight. So what I want to do is take a look at what happens when we control things and when control goes bad. So we'll take a look at when control goes bad. And this isn't just something that's happened you know, recently. This is all throughout time when control has gone bad. So when we look at a story, and again, this is probably a story that maybe some of you know already, but let me give you a little context of, of the story. So there was a gentleman in the Bible, his name was Abram, 
Father Abraham, if you remember correctly. And Abraham was promised by God an incredible, incredible promise. So God appeared to him. He didn't just talk to him. He actually appeared to him. He brought him outside, and he looked up in the stars, and he said to Abraham, he says, count the stars if you can. If you can count them, count them. He goes, those will be your descendants. And Abraham's like, oh, that is awesome, God. I have no kids. <laughs> but I have no kids. How is this going to be? He goes, trust me, you're going to have kids. And so Abram goes back and tells his wife, Sarai, and he says, like, hey, we're going to have kids. The descendants are going to be like the stars or everything. And she's like, awesome. And then nothing happens. And nothing happens. And nothing happens for 13 years. How many of you out there know your timing is not always God's timing? I mean, is that you? That's me. I like it. I know when my timing should be for God to work in something, but it's not always the same as his timing, working in something. So anyway, they decide to do something themselves, and they fall into the trap that many of us fall into, and they take control themselves. And so that's the story we're going to read now. So here it is, Genesis 16, verse 1 through 4. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children, so go sleep with my maidservant. Let, let's stop right there. Uh, how many of you think this is a great idea? Let's go sleep with the maid, okay? I have never seen this work out well, okay? But you go sleep with a maidservant. But back in those times, it's like, okay, she couldn't have kids. At least she can have kids through there. So she gives her maidservant Hagar. And she says, perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. We'll stop there again. How many of you think like Abram's going like, yeah, this seems like a really great idea. Anywhere else in the Bible where a woman said something to a guy and maybe said, hey, try this. And he did. And didn't things go real great for that? Didn't learn. Here we go. So we'll keep on. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. And so Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years. Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. So he slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Now, some of you know the, the follow-up of this story, but for those of you who don't, let me, let me just tell you what ha happened here. Uh, Hagar conceived, and then she gave birth to a son, and his name was Ishmael. So out of Ishmael, we have the Palestinians. That's where the, the Palestinian nation comes from. And out of the Palestinians, we also have Muhammad. Now there. Thirteen years later, God fulfills his promise through Sarai. Her name is Sarah now. And uh, he not only does that, but she has a son. And her son is named Isaac. And out of Isaac comes the Jewish nation. And also comes the king of the Jews, is Jesus. And so you see from this one situation where control went bad, we have not only Ishmael and Isaac, we have the Palestines and the Jews who are still doing this today, and we have Muhammad and we have Jesus, and people are still trying to figure out which one to follow. Control gone bad. Control gone bad. So here's a lesson that I want you to learn. If you're not, uh, if you re remember anything else today, write this down, okay? Write this down. It is... Do not sleep with the maidservant, okay? Whatever you do, guys, do not sleep with the maidservant. That'll go bad for you, okay? Seriously, what, what in your life are you trying to control? 
What is it in your life that you are trying to control? Maybe you're a single woman here this morning, and you're just waiting for that Christian young man, that guy that God has planned for you. But in the meantime, well, you know, that guy will do. That guy will do. He's kind of got a cute smile. You know, I'll, I'll go out with him. Are you taking control of the situation? Maybe for you, it's with your finances. And you're saying, you know what? Nick talked about tithing to the church. I've been coming to this church. I kind of believe in this church, but I'm going to see how this all plays out before I actually invest in this church. Hmm. Are you taking control or are you letting God control your finances? How about in your marriage? In your marriage? Is, uh, are you taking control in your marriage? How many of you in here go like, no, you cannot control your spouse? I mean, is that, I should get an amen on there. You cannot control your spouse. 35 years I've been married. I still can't control my spouse. I can talk to her. I can suggest things, but ultimately it's her who makes the decision. That is our choices here today. We have to take, uh, we have to leave things that are not our control in God's control there. So if you sat down today, uh, this morning here, you should have seen a piece of paper and a little pen right next to it there. If you don't have one, you get to borrow your neighbor's pen. And what I would love for you to do is I want you to write down something in your life that you want to control right now. Something in your life that you are controlling. Is it a relationship? Is it your finances? Is it your health? What is it in your life that you want to control right now? Some of you are like, I'm not going to do that stupid illustration. I'm not going to write down anything like that. Listen, I'm talking to you this morning because you're sitting there going like, I'm in control of this thing. I'm in control. This message is for you. It's when we surrender control is then we see God's blessing. So, again, what's at risk if we don't surrender control? And so, is it your finances? Is it your health? Or could it be even something more? Could it actually be your soul that is at risk if you don't surrender control? So we're going to take a look at three questions we're going to ask as we take a look at that piece of paper, and we're going to ask ourselves three questions. The first question we're going to ask is, is it worth my concern? Is this worth my concern? I think so many things in our life, if we really take a look at them, if we delve, delve deep into it, we're going like, you know what? I, I don't really need to control that. I, I, that's not something for me to bear. That's not something for me to control. So many things, if we start taking a look at is like, is, do I really need to control that? Uh, Richard Foster, who wrote the book Spiritual Disciplines, he, he has this quote, and I think it's just a, such a simple quote, but I think it's profound in the same respect. It's like, it says, frankly, most things in our lives are not nearly as important as we think they are. Our lives will not come to an end if this or that does not happen. I look back at my own life, uh, being on this planet for as many years as I have, I go like, the things that I thought were so, so important, and I always look back and go like, that really wasn't that important, and yet I wanted to control that so much. I wanted to control it. Let me give you an example of um, some, how, the, how I play this out actually in my everyday uh, work life here uh, as a Zero Collective executive pastor. So there's four churches within the Zero Collective, and each week I'm at a different church. So I really don't have a home church. I go to Center Church, and I love coming to see that Center Church. I see very familiar faces that I come here, and it's just so much fun. Um, but I'm either here, I'm at New Life Church, and I'm at Story Church, or I'm at Frontline Church. I'm at a different church every week. And so when I come into the church, and I look around, when I'm walking the front door there, from my perspective, do you think when I come into a church and I look at it and I go, you know what? 
I probably wouldn't do it that way. Do you, do you think I say that once in a while? Do I come into a different church and go like, you know what? I really didn't care for that. Or I come in and maybe I see something in kids' ministry or I see something in worship. I see something in the First Impressions team and I go, you know what? You really ought to do it this way. You think that happens to me? It does happen to me. It happens to me like every week. But here's the thing. Would I be smart if I brought that up every time I come to one of our churches? How demoralizing would it be to like John or to Nick or to Peter or to Jen over in children's ministry to be able to come in and come in going like, you know, let's do it this way. Here's the beautiful thing in the Zero Collective is we empower young leaders to lead. We give them the keys to the car. We say, you know what? It's time for you to drive. We help them. We went through driver's training. We got all that stuff going on. But you know what? We empower them to leave. As a leader, I have to choose one or two things. I can either choose control or I can choose growth. I have to choose. I can either choose control. I want to control what they all do. Say like, hey, this ought to be here. This ought to be here. This ought to be that. We ought to do it this way. This is my way. It's the right way because I'm old and you're young and you don't know these things. We should do it that way. Or I can say, hey, you're an awesome young leader. How would you do this? And here's what I found out. Most of the time when I do this, things grow a lot faster than when I do this. Like that. How about in your marriage? Can you have control and can you have intimacy at the same time? That's not possible. How about in your other relationships? Let's say you're dating somebody. Can you have control and can you have intimacy in that relationship? No, you can't. You have to release the control in order to have the intimacy. So let me get into uh, just a little bit lower. Let, let me bring it all the way down here, okay? Let me bring it down to the thing. Um, I load the dishwasher one way. My wife loads the dishwasher a different way. Is it really worth my concern to get in an argument with my wife that the cup should be like this with the handles facing this way or the handles? The dishes still get washed, don't they? How about for you with kids? Uh, you have this? I had this all the time with my kids. I mean, I remember my son going off to school one time. Cowboy boots, okay? He had a cowboy hat on, a striped shirt, and he had a swimsuit on. And I'm like... <laughs> You can picture it, okay? He's on, I'm going like, is that a battle I want to fight? <laughs> is that a battle? That's not a battle I want to fight. He sent him off there, you know? The teacher did call, but it was okay. So it's all good. How about this one? Uh, this is from, from life for me too, is uh, when you come into my house and you walk in our house, uh, we have these, this giant window in, in our family room area there. And so... Uh, it just looks out on the backyard. It's a very pretty view for us, my wife and I. Uh, every Thursday and Friday, we have the privilege of watching our grandchildren for my, for my daughter. And so where do you think the first place they go to? I mean, it's like a magnet. I mean, they run up there, whoop, and uh, lips on there, I mean, and fingerprints. And I got one or two choices. I can <laughs> look at that and get really mad and go like, man, I just cleaned that or anything like that. I can push the couch in front of it. I can do all that sort of stuff. Or I can look at it and say, you know what? I've got three healthy grandkids. And I look at that and go like, those are awesome. That's almost artwork, really, if you take a look at it the right way. It's awesome. That's it. So you have to ask your question, is it worth my experience? Second question we're going to ask, is it, is it mine to control? Is it mine to control? Here's the real answer. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is yours to control. 
uh, you take a look at what you wrote in that paper and you go like, you know what? I really do have some control over this. Maybe it's with your finances and you're like, you know what? I am seriously in debt. What does it look like to get some financial counseling? What does it look like to get a second job? What does it look like to stop spending so much? I, uh, I happened to fill into the role um, serving over our benevolence team at, uh, at one of our churches just this last year. And, excuse me, um, requests come in all the time. And so I get this request, and I'm looking at it, and I'm the worst person to be in benevolence. I, let me just say that right off the bat. I am the worst. Not that I'm not giving. I'm very giving. But sometimes I just look at such things in such a critical eye. I get this benevolence request in, and it's talking there, and it says, I haven't worked in the last two years. And I'm like, I don't know about you, but I mean, I drive by, I, I see a lot of jobs out there like that. So I call this person on there, and I'm like, hey, you haven't worked in, well, I just can't find the right job. I can't find the right job. Oh, okay. I'll be over in 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, what? Like, I'm coming over to you. I'm going to pick you up. We're going to go find a job for you, and we're going to get you some money so you can get out of this financial crisis that you're in. Uh, well, uh, I'm not ready. That's oh, okay. I'll give you 25. I'll be right there. And so, worst person there. Sometimes your situation is you can control it. Now, there's a big difference between surrendering control and relinquishing responsibility. Let me say that one more time. There's a big difference between surrendering control and relinquishing responsibility. God will come through, but he also gave you two hands. He gave you two feet. He gave you a great mind. He gave you the ability to go out and do something. Sometimes we just got to take that and go do it. So this first one, is it worth my concern? Second question we ask, is it, something, is it mind to control? Third question we have to ask, is it for God alone? Let's be serious. You take a look at some of your, your paper there, and you're taking a look like, this, this is worth my concern, and this I really don't have control over. Sometimes there's just stuff that just says, like, this is for God alone. God's got to take this one. I have no clue how to figure this out. I can't take control of this. And so let's take a look at this uh, passage here. It comes from Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I, I had them underlined there when do not be anxious about anything. Um, how many of you honestly can say, like, there was something you were anxious about this week? Is there something that was like brought you up and you said, like, I am, this has just cost me angst about it, like that? Can I be honest with you, real quick? Now that I haven't been, but can I be honest with you? Getting up here this week has caused me to be anxious. I haven't preached in quite a while with all of our young communicators and with all the different ways of how we're empowering young leaders. I don't get to preach as much as I am. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. But I'll tell you what, when you get back up here after a while, it's like, huh, I'm a little nervous. Ain't that funny how God works when he pulls a passage together? Do not be anxious about anything. I'm going like, I don't need to be anxious about this. But there's still part of me that just wants that control. Uh, Dr. Christine, uh, uh, what was her last name? Dr. Christine or Caroline Christ wrote this, and I just thought this was so cool. I, I pulled this out. It says, uh, American adults have reported feeling emotionally overwhelmed and fatigued with 87% agreeing that it feels like there has been a constant stream of crisis without a break over the last two years. 
How many of you feel like there's been a constant stream of crisis in our country or in our land for the last two years? I mean, a pandemic, an election, racial tensions, a war, gas prices. I mean, there's a lot to be anxious about. And a lot of us want to figure out how can we control this stuff. And yet when we look at it, say, we don't really have control of any of those. We have to leave that to God alone. Here's what happens to me, and this is just a Blake graph that I put together, because this is what I this is what I do. It says, it says, I want to be in control. So I start at the top there, I want to be in control. But then the more I want to be in control, the more afraid I'm actually of losing control. And then the more afraid I am of losing control, the more I want to control. And then the more I want to control, the more I'm afraid of losing control. So then the more I want to control. And I'm in this vicious cycle of fear that just keeps circulating and circulating and circulating. Sometimes we just have to give things to God. It's for God alone. Take a look at the second part of this uh, passage here in Philippians 4. It says, uh, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. How many of you, like me, is like you get into a situation... Uh, maybe this is a guy thing. Um, I don't think so. I think it's just a human thing, is we try to figure it out ourselves. I mean, I'll go through a whole bunch of things, and then all of a sudden I'll realize, oh, oh, I should have prayed about this, right? And then you realize, oh, man. And then God calls us. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, not just some situations, every situation, pray about it and petition God about it. And not only do that, but do it with thanksgiving. And we present them to God. And then what's he going to do? What's his promise? He's going to have the peace of God. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. The peace that goes above and beyond our ability to understand things. That's what God will give us. Have you ever met anybody who's just gone through just a horrible, horrible situation and yet... They have this peace about them. Have you ever met somebody who's just going through just a terrible, terrible situation and then you, you, you come there expecting to hear this woe is me story, this the world's against me, I'm going to fall under the weight of all this, and yet they have this peace about them? I was serving at one of our other churches just this last week and uh, there was a young lady there in her, I think, mid-30s and uh, she's going through cancer treatments right now. She's got two young kids. Uh, all of a sudden, it was discovered that she has breast cancer. And so she comes into one of our churches there. Um, she's lost all her hair. She's got a bandana on. She looks frail from all the, uh, the re- uh, chemo and the radiation. And I just looked at her, and I was just expecting this whole, like, man, you know, it's tough and all this. But I look at her, and she has this giant smile on her face. And I'm like... How's it going? You know, expecting her to say this. She goes, I have never been this close to the Lord in my life. Wow. Wow. That's the peace of God. When you can say in the middle of cancer treatments that I've never been this close to God before, and you look at her and go like, that is not explainable. That's not explainable. It's explainable only in through this, that the God, our God, provides that peace. What's only God for you? What's an only situation for you? Is it your health? Is it like her? Is it a relationship that you just think is, there's just no way? 
There's just no way that this is going to be saved. There's just no way that this is going to happen, right? Is it your finances? With your kids, is it with your kids? And you're thinking, like, they're just so far from God. There's no way they're ever going to come back. That's me sometimes. I've got one. I'm just thinking, wow, it'd be a miracle if he comes back. But prayer and petition, prayer and petition, prayer and petition. What is it for you? I want to take you back to the year 1990. Uh, some of you weren't even born yet. I look around there and I'm going like, wow, you guys don't even know what 1990 is. Uh, so 1990 was a year, and we were expecting our first child in 1990. Uh, my wife and I were so excited. If you've been in that situation before where you're expecting your first kid, there's nothing like it. You know, all the preparations and everything. And that date on the calendar of August 14 was just so exciting. I still remember it today, August 14 on there. So August 14 came, and August 14 went. And so did August 15 and August 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, August 21. So I'm going crazy because we're supposed to have a kid by now who's God's timing. Come on. I was supposed to be in control here. <laughs> it's like, so anyway, I decided to go out golfing because uh, so, I just got to get away or everything. But don't be, be, be afraid. I, I had my pager on. Okay, anybody remember a pager? 1990, I was waiting for my beep, beep. Okay, and then tell me I had to go find a phone. Okay, <laughs> that's all the pager would do and uh, run home. But my pager never did the beep, beep. I got, my, I got home and I found my wife there and uh, my wife had the most concerned look on her face that I've ever seen her have. Uh, and if you know my wife at all, my wife is the most even-keeled person in the world. And so for her to be anxious or to be concerned, I knew something was up. And so I asked her, I go, what's, what's, what's going on? And she's like, I haven't felt any movement for the last day. That stopped me. So I said, okay, okay, let's get in the car. We're going to the hospital. We're going to figure this out. So we, we drive off to the hospital. Uh, they put on some monitors on it or something like that. And like the best sound in the world was the beep, 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 beep sound of my daughter's heart beating inside of my wife. And so, okay, okay, whoosh, pressure's off. And so she, uh, we're there, the doctor's like, oh, you've been a week, so let's just go ahead and induce you. So we started the induction, and uh, everything was going fine, but every time my wife would have a contra contraction, the baby's heart rate would plummet. And so a contraction would come, heart rate would plummet, contraction would come, heart rate would plummet. And the doctor didn't like this at all. So she's like, you know what? I think we're going to go ahead and schedule a C-section. And let's, let's see what's going on. Take this baby out of there. So they're wheeling my wife to the, to the uh, operating room there. And as, we're, she's wheel, as they're wheeling my wife to the operating room, all of a sudden, uh, the baby's heart tones just flatlined. And then, let me tell you, everything broke loose at that moment. They rushed her in there. And what, normally in a C-section, the woman is awake. They put my wife under really quick. They knocked her out. Uh, what seemed like 100 people flew, flew into, the, uh, into the operating room. I got pushed to the back and into the side there. And they immediately, excuse me, cut my wife open and pulled our daughter out. And I kid you not, I could see right through her. She was almost like transparent. What had happened was there was this blood, rare blood thing where my wife's blood was fighting the baby's blood and my wife's blood was beating the, the baby's blood and was taking all of it. So our child was born basically with no blood. And so I'm sitting there with my eyes like this big and the only thing I can say is, is she alive? And at that moment, it seemed like every head in the place turned to look at me and the doctor realized that I was still in the room and he says, get him out of here. And somebody took my arm and escorted me into this 
All I can say is this small little room. Basically, I had one chair in it and just four walls. Uh, and I sat there, and it was the single most loneliest time of my life. I didn't know how my wife was doing. I didn't know how my baby was doing. I didn't know anything. And I wish I could tell you I was spiritually mature enough to go like, you know what, I probably should pray right now. But I wasn't. I entered into the cycle of fear. I had wanted control. I didn't have control. I want more control. I had no control. I want more control. I don't have any control. Fast forward for about three or four hours, I sat in that room. Finally, somebody remembered me and came and got me because I didn't know where I was supposed to go. And they brought me to my wife's room, and you know she was still out, but finally she came too. And there we sat holding each other, not knowing what was with our daughter. And uh, my wife is the more spiritually mature one. And so she said, we ought to pray. So we prayed. Says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A couple hours went by, and the doctor came in and said, you know, the next few hours is going to be really critical for your daughter. She is alive, but the critical is going to be in the next few hours came in in a few more hours, and they said, these next few days are going to be really critical. I'll save you the rest of it. But um, after two months, we were finally able to take our daughter home uh, to bring her to the house. But in that situation, if I could do it over, the peace of God, I would have prayed quicker. What in your life right now are you trying to control? that you need to relinquish to God alone. What is it? I asked you to write something down uh, a little earlier. I want you to pull that back out and take a look at it. Is this really my concern? Is it mine to control? Or is it for God only? Is it for God alone? Those are the three things you have to ask yourself. Here's what I've learned uh, 56 years on this planet. 56 years. You don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. Let me say that one more time. You don't have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. And that surrender, that's, that's not just a one-time decision. That's a lifetime of decisions. Take it from somebody who wants to be in control every day. I have to die to my wanting to be in control every single day and surrender it to God. What is it in your life? What are you trying to control right now that you need to surrender to him? As I said, a lot of things are at risk, but the most important thing that's at risk could be your soul. Have you surrendered to him? Have you surrendered to God? Have you been fighting it? Have you been wanting to be in control? You're going to get to the end of your life and you're going to realize that you didn't really have that control, that it was all about him and it wasn't about the stuff we did. If that's you this morning, if that's you and you say, yeah, I want to finally give in to that, I want to surrender control of my life to Jesus, man, I would count it a privilege to talk to you after the service. Nick would count it a privilege to talk to you after the service. Peter would count it a privilege to talk to you after the service. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus and have him be the one who controls your life.
That's what's on the table today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that we can gather together as a family of believers. Thank you, Lord, how you have knitted us together and how you have provided an opportunity to know you. Lord, in this world, uh, it started from the beginning, even with Adam and Eve, who they wanted control. They wanted to be you. And yet, Lord, you call us to come with open hands and to say, you are the one who's in control. So, Lord, we just lay whatever's written down on our paper. We lay our lives down in front of you today, Lord. And we ask, Lord, that you do with them what you want to do with them. We surrender to you, God, and say that you are a God worth following. You are maker of all. You are creator of all. You know us intimately. And you want the best for us. You desire to be with us. We thank you for that. I pray this in your name and all God's people said. Amen.